Yart. Insert your tongue into one of the bowling ball's holes, you gullible connels. Take a selfie. Get into a time machine. Go back to 2007. Upload the photo onto MySpace. What's the crack? Welcome to the Blind Boy Podcast. It's a special podcast. I'll tell you why in a minute. After we do a small bit of housekeeping. By which I mean a slight list of gigs for September that I'm contractually obligated to mention on the podcast. Here we go. This Friday the 6th of September. Mort Theatre in Nace. Friday the 13th. Oh. Of September. The Crescent Hall in Drada. Or... As I met, a, I met an old Yank once in Dublin, and he had shart coloured corduroys, and he referred to Drogheda as Drogheda. So, yes, on Friday the 13th, I am in the Crescent Hall, Drogheda. Saturday the 14th of September. The Theatre Royal in Waterford, where I'm going to be interviewing the Bays from Waterford Whispers Nose. That'll be good, crack. Wednesday the 18th of September, West Cork. I'm in Clannacilty at a guitar festival. A fucking guitar festival. So I'm assuming I have to talk about guitars or talk to someone who knows about guitars. That'll be fun. It will be good crack though. I do enjoy guitars. I've got four of them behind me now. Thursday the 19th of September. Oh, there are two sold out gigs in London. Yeah, fuck that. Uh, Saturday the 28th of September. The INEC Hotel Bathroom. Hotel Ballroom, Killarney, Saturday the 28th uh, of, of September, the Hotel Ballroom in Killarney, INEC, where I haven't gotten confirmation yet, but who I want to interview, I haven't even contacted them to be honest, because I'm a lazy bollocks, I want to interview a, an old Irish rave band called The Fourth Dimension, who are from Killarney, I believe, so there's the gigs, there you go, there you go lads, a ballroom of a hotel, my dad used to have this uh, this joke he used to make about underpants. What he'd say. What was it? <laughs> My underpants are like a shit hotel. There's no ballroom. Yart. Alright, there's the gigs. That's out of the way. Did that in under three minutes. There you go. So how are you? What's the crack? Um, Hello to my, my international listeners. 60% of the listenership of this podcast is now outside of Ireland quite bizarrely so it's no longer a podcast that's just listened to by Irish people it's it's a mostly international audience which is fucking odd very strange to say the least Um, I mean fair play to you thank you very much uh, tell a friend very important tell a friend help grow the podcast in other countries but look I, I try not to sit back I try not to sit back and, and, and think what the fuck does someone from Greece want to listen to this podcast for? That's I try not to think about that. But I hope you're all well anyway. It's a special podcast this week. I'll tell, I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, I was at Electric Picnic there uh, at the weekend. I was doing gigs in Electric Picnic. Electric Picnic is a very large m- music festival in Ireland. And I was doing the podcast stage. Did a couple of gigs there. Decent crack. It was my 10th year, I realised. 
gigging at Electric Picnic. First ever gig I did at Electric Picnic. It was a Rubber Bandits gig 10 years ago. And we paid... It was the first time we got a fucking huge audience. Do you know? We, we, we played in a tent called the Little Big Tent. And it was fully fucking packed. Not only in the tent, but like for a good distance around it. And at that was our first festival gig. And we were like the act that everyone wanted to see. Because it was like these two lads out of Limerick who were making tunes with bags in their heads. 2009, like. And yeah, that was my 10th year at the festival. And I was thinking back to, Jesus, it was a mad gig. We had, uh, what did we have? We, we had, we, 10 years ago. We had our DJ, DJ Willie, or DJ was dressed up in a balaclava like he was in the, and, and a tricolour, so, like he was in the IRA for the whole gig. We had four topless male dancers who were dressed up as the IRA and they had drums. We had a troupe of female dancers who had rubber horses' heads. Then... The highlight of the show, the main piece of the show, we, we had a song called Gardi, I think it was. And we had this, we had one of our friends dress up as a giant block of hash. And then another one of our friends dressed up as a guard. And for like five minutes, the guard just chased this giant block of hash around the stage. And that was our show, 2009. Didn't even know what we were doing. Just like, oh fuck, we're gigging Electric Picnic, shit. What are we going to do? And that's what happened. So, th- ten years... Holy moly. But. The thing with festivals. And. There's one thing I don't enjoy about festivals. No not not even festivals. There's one thing I don't enjoy about electric picnics specifically. Because like I said. This is something I've done. Every year for the past 10 years. Electric picnic. Takes place. Usually in late August. Or very early September. Okay. And this is when there's a lot of wasps flying around. An awful lot of wasps. And they're in they're wasps that are in that cunty mood. Now I don't know there's many theories as to why wasps are absolute cunts or pricks in early September. The theory that I subscribe to is that wasps are eating fruit and because the fruit comes out in September, and when they eat the fruit they go mad off the alcohol of it. Actually, no, that's late September shit, isn't it? Yeah, around late September, early August. No, what comes after September? October. Late September, early October. When fruit is beginning to ripe on the trees, like apples and strawberries. Apparently, the last of the wasps eat this fruit. But because it's decaying, it contains minute amounts of alcohol. And the wasps get aggressive from drinking this and then they go on a stinging frenzy that's what I've heard but wasps are dickheads in September right we, we know this from I don't have to tell you this this is an experiential thing that wasps are not, not saying they're stingy they're just they're very involved they're very interested in you in early September they're particularly interested in if ever I'm around a girl and she's wearing strong perfume I'm like I'm not standing beside her. Because it will bring on the wasps. They love the aroma and bouquet of perfume. 
But what they also love is, and this is where Electric Picnic comes in, if you're drinking a can of beer or cider, right, or wine, the fucking wasps are very interested in that because it contains sugar and they're mad for sugar. Now, what I also heard as well is that, I think, I don't know, is this bees or wasps, but at this time of year, male bees and wasps leave the hive and this is when they have to have sex with queens, so, or potential queens. So what happens is their only purpose is to just have frantic sex with as many female wasps as they can find. So as a result, they're in this heightened kind of energetic state where they're forever seeking uh, some source of sugar. And this is why they'll chase after you, right? That's what I heard as as well. I don't know. I'm talking out of my hole. I know nothing about wasps. This is folk knowledge that I heard in pubs. But anyway, so I'm at Picnic, and this is the same thing for the last 10 years. I'm like, fucking great, lovely festival. Shit, there's wasps uh, bothering my my can, right, flying around me. And I don't like this. I don't like it because I don't want to get stung. But here's the extra thing for me, and this is one of my greatest fears. I, I wear a plastic bag on my head. So I'm there backstage at the festival with a plastic bag on my head. And the wasp, the thing is, when you when you wear a plastic bag in your head, when you drink a can of beer or have a sip of wine or whatever, residue from the alcohol, will, will it sticks around the lip area of my bag. Now, with a traditional human face, if you get lip... Or, or drink around your lips. You just lick it off and it's gone. But when you wear a bag over your head. You can't sufficiently sequester. The alcoholic residue that accumulates around the lip area. So some of it just stays there. So you end up by the end of the day. With almost like a, a sugary crystalline coating. Of evaporated alcohol around your lips. And the fucking wasps love this they go apeshit for this so my situation at electric picnic festival always every year to the point that i I nearly cancel each year but i don't is i've got all these fucking wasps severely interested in my fucking mouth trying to get at the alcohol that's around my plastic bag lips so that's not pleasant now let's take it to the next level this is the big fear and every year since I've been doing Electric Picnic, this is my number one worst case scenario. That the wasp gets interested in the alcohol that's residual around my plastic bag lips, right? But the thing is with my plastic bag, it's not entirely taut, right? It's, it goes on my head, but there's, there's space between the bag and, and my actual human head, right? There's a little bit of space. My fear for years was, what if, and what if, a wasp who's interested in, in my my lip goes in my mouth hole of my bag, and then finds himself stuck between my face and my bag, which means I have a trapped wasp in my head, right? Now, the only thing that wasp can do is sting, because he or she is going to get stuck in between my face and the bag they will get anxious because they can't escape and just immediately assume that my head is the cause of the problem and then just start stinging my face 
while they're trapped in a bag. Now that, that, the idea of that is hell, right? And this has been my fear for the past 10 festivals. Well, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's precisely what fucking happened to me at Electric Picnic this year. It happened. And it's something I'd thought about a lot and I'd prepared for a lot. Do you know, it's, it's like that Simpsons episode where they have the peanut factory and an elephant comes towards the peanut factory and her man comes out and says, I've told you this day could happen. We've prepared for this. You didn't listen to me. We should have done the elephant drills at the peanut factory, but you didn't listen. The elephant then comes in. That's what happened to me. I'd thought many times about, Jesus, what would I do if, if the wasp flew into my bag? Um, like, I, I can't rip the bag off on stage. That that's, goes against my whole brand. That's not happening. So... I thought of many different ways to kind of shake my head or whatever. So, on Saturday, I'm there. I'm chatting to one or two people. The wasps are being cunty. They're bothering everyone's drinks, but they're bothering my face. I'm kind of swatting away, doing my thing, still maintaining conversation. And then the prick fucking goes into my mouth hole. And I just for a split second, I can feel the resistance of this wasp buzzing in my cheek he, he, he'd now this all happened I'd say less than a second right but when something as terrifying as that happens and especially something I thought about happens um, it happened it, it occurs in a, in a longer moment of time that, that split second felt like a minute so the wasp starts to buzz like like that between my bag and my face I immediately run away from the conversation obviously towards the portaloos I already ran into the portaloos and I just, like, you can't think, no matter how many thinking I'd done about this thing, no matter how many years of preparation I had done, you know, it's like this thing, this worst thing that you, about Electric Picnic, that you didn't think was going to happen, is now happening, it's happening right now. No, pr- preparation doesn't matter in that moment. So, I, I boxed myself into the face. Like a proper, not a decent punch, there was no knuckles, but I, I clenched my fist, not thinking, just as a reaction, and wa- walloped myself into the mouth, instantly crushing the wasp. Um, And it didn't sting me, I managed to save myself, and then I went into the portaloo and just shook the wasp out of my bag, and it had almost severed the area between his arse and his abdomen. So, luckily, I'd managed to just, boom, in one go, smash that wasp with my fist and letter myself into the face in the process. But I don't think it mattered with the adrenaline. It's still a bit sore now, but you know when you get a slap and, like, you're either angry or anxious and the adrenaline is up, you don't feel getting a dig until afterwards. That, basically, except I punched myself to kill a wasp. And, you know, I did... I felt like a shithead having killed a wasp because, you know, like I'm, the bees have now disappeared and they've left their children in my, in my, the solitary wasp or solitary bee bee house that I was speaking about a few podcasts back. So I'm someone who tries to care about insects. But in this moment, I just had to make the decision to eliminate the wasp. He was, what would you call it? Collateral damage, we'll say, on my face. Yeah, I suppose that's what you call it, collateral damage. That's what uh, 
Barack Obama would call it after he drone strikes a, a christening in Yemen. Trump would just say he killed a lot of people, bombed them because they were bad guys. So that was my electric picnic, yeah. Um, the gigs were great, crack. Very good, very good uh, live podcast, good fun. But alas, overshadowed by a wasp between my face and my bag. So this is a special podcast. And I'll tell you why. This, lads, is the 100th episode of the Blind By podcast. Somehow, I have sat down once a week and just spoken into a microphone off the top of my head uh, once every week 100 fucking times and this podcast started off as just something to promote my fucking book of short stories that I'd released in 2018 Um, I I was going to do maybe 4 or 5 episodes just as a way to draw attention to my book of short stories and then after about four fucking episodes, the podcast had become the most popular podcast in Ireland. And now it has more than one million listeners and it's worldwide. So this ridiculous accident that, yeah, I'm now on the 100 episode. And it has been, in in my, I've been doing this since I'm a fucking... I've been I've been professionally creative since I'm, I was a young teenager. So I'm, I'm 15 years at the at just being a professional creative. And this podcast has been the most rewarding. It's just been amazing. It's, it, it's been more fun than anything else I've done. Because... It's pure and utter flow. It's just coming from my heart and speaking what I want to say in the moment and putting it out there not worrying about editing and most importantly no kind of commissioners or people coming in and saying will you change that bit will you change that bit because as I've mentioned before I like I do a lot of work in television and the problem with television is the create the artist has a vision in their heart which gets diluted by through input by commissioners until the end result is merely a version of what was originally in the heart of the artist but with this podcast it's undiluted unfiltered straight from the fucking heart rough around the edges of course but it's it's like what i always say that the the podcast is like it's like when a a, a musician just does a gig once a week and they jam they're not playing written material. They're not playing produced material. They're simply exploring music in the moment. And some of it's good, some of it's bad. But there's an off-the-cuffness and an honesty to it that you can't get with something that's pre-written. If you get me. So, 100 episodes, lads. So, as a result, I'm... Because I was going, fuck me, it's the 100 episode. What What am I supposed to do? Ah, bollocks, am I supposed to do some big celebration and shit like that? That's not my style, like. That's not the type of shit that I I enjoy. Like, I have the second book coming out now. And my book uh, company want me to do a launch party. Which even for me feels weird. So I am going to do a launch party, but it'll be small and odd. But I don't like, um... 
I don't know, making a big fuss of things. I prefer to just acknowledge something and then move on to the next thing rather than make a big fuss of something. So with the 100 episode, I don't want to make a big fuss of it. What, what I am doing as a celebratory thing, I, I'm going to drink wine and possibly have a small bit of baldy while recording this episode. I've already drank some of the wine, in case you've noticed this, a slight slur in my voice. I'm a tiny bit tipsy, but I had a gorgeous bottle of red wine from Spain, a Rioja 2014. Uh, lovely, it's it's gorgeous, it's like uh, a very complex, complicated Ribena. It's that type of vibe that you get off of Spanish wines. Have it at lovely room temperature, so I'm going to drink this bottle of wine, sip away at it while doing the podcast for ye as a celebration, and possibly baldy we'll see what happens um so also what i want to do is because i was thinking and reflecting on you know what how do i categorize the fucking podcast and what one of the issues i have with this podcast is people say to me i don't know how to describe it to people and some of the most popular podcasts out there are they're always like the murder mystery ones. Do you know, like Serial or fucking... That's the only one I know. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, to be honest. I really don't. Um, but I'm aware that, like, the Serial Killer ones... I listened to one there recently, actually, that wasn't bad. Oh, fuck, what was it? Looking Through a Window or Through a Window or something it was called. It was a podcast about uh, a murderer who'd operated in America and used to climb in windows. And... It had that whole murder podcast style, that suspense, you know, that people seem to seem to like. It's like a, a roller coaster thing. And what I found so incredibly dark about it is like here's this four or five part podcast about a real murderer who used to climb in people's windows and kill them. But the podcast was sponsored sponsored by a window security company. Which I found so fucking absurd. Do you know? it was absurd and hilarious at the same time it's like you know that people are going to listen to this podcast because i know i know people who listen to murder podcasts and they want to have someone in the house with them when they're listening to it they can't listen to it on their own so they have this fucking podcast about a real life murderer who used to climb in people's windows back in the days back in the 70s when people used to leave their doors unlocked or their windows were easy to open none of this double glazing shit and then a window security company decide ah oh, great people are going to be terrified what a great opportunity to sell some window alarms so th- that sullied the podcast for me because the you can't take it seriously it's like a politician wearing clown pants you know when there's that level of absurdity in the podcast you can't take it seriously so before we move on I'll do wine tasting, will I? I don't know how to fucking taste wine. You know when you're in a restaurant, the, the waiter comes down to you. Like in Limerick. You've been in a restaurant in Limerick. And you order a bottle of wine. And the fucking waiter comes down. And offers you the wine to taste. As if you're not just going to go, yeah, it's grand. Can you imagine as an Irish person? Like that almost that that's almost written in the constitution of Ireland like imagine as an Irish person a fucking w- first off as an Irish person if you're in a restaurant 
you feel embarrassed ordering the bottle of wine. You feel like a dickhead doing it, right? Because it's it goes against the concept of Irishness. It's a little bit too British person trying to be French. Do you know what I mean? So even ordering the bottle of wine on the menu in a restaurant in Ireland makes you feel like a dickhead. So that's embarrassing enough. Then Conti comes down with the wine and pours a tiny bit into a glass for you as, and asks you to fucking taste it. Number one, I don't fucking know what a good wine or a bad wine is. Secondly, if it was gone off, I don't know, you tell me, you're the waiter. And thirdly, as an Irish person, even if it smelt like a Pine Martin's rectum, I'm still not giving it back because my Irishness won't allow it. I will happily grin and take the gone off Pine Martin rectum wine and drink it with a smile on my face rather than be the person who says I'm sorry the wine you just opened isn't good enough and you're just going to have to get me another I'm not fucking doing that give me the bottle of vinegar I'll shut my mouth and drink it here's 30 quid but uh, this particular wine that I have now I don't know look complicated Ribena it has what does Ribena have let's see now let's let's try and do this like a like a wine taster You make a, a teeth movement. I've seen that on the internet. And then you, you... I don't know. It tastes like red wine. Do you know... What's, what is, what, what's the right being? Blackberries, right? See, now I think of blackberries now. It just reminds me of cat's piss. And there's no bang of cat's piss. So it tastes like... Not actual blackberries as you'd find in the wild which tastes like cat's piss, but the hyper-real version of blackberries that is represented in the drink Ribena, which I assume has nothing to do with actual blackberries. So this wine has a bit of that, and then... Petrol. Ribena and petrol. There's uh, Ribena at the back of the mouth, and then... Near the teeth when I breathe in. Petrol. So there you have it. Uh, good stuff. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? I bought. I brought it over in in the luggage from Spain, and it cost twelve quid in Spain, which means it probably costs forty here. So that's all I go on price. <coughs> so do you know what we're gonna do for the one hundred episode? I'm gonna have a crack at, at one of these fucking. I'm gonna try and do a murder mystery podcast, right? While I'm drinking this wine and and possibly Baldy, and we'll see how it goes, and that that'll be our celebration for the 100 episode. So, as usual, we'll get the ads out of the way, lads. Right? We'll get. I'll pour a small little glass of this uh, Rioja, and we'll get the ads out of the way. What do we do? We'll have a pause. I'm not gonna do. I was doing the, the Aztec death whistle pause that I did last week, lads. I don't think we'll do that again. It's really unpleasant on the ears. I have my ocarina here. I could do the ocarina. Or we could do the baldy pause, right? That's what we're going to do. We'll do a baldy pause. And what we'll do is when I'm doing the baldy pause, the ad- adverts will come in. Acast will in- in- digitally insert adverts. 
for for two reasons as well. Like here's the this is the 100 podcast, and the beauty of podcasts is that they don't comply to the rules of radio or other broadcasting. By the rules of radio and broadcasting, you can't drink alcohol or take drugs or do anything on air, or you get kicked off the air. It's it's the, it's a podcast. It's the wild wild west. It's the wild west. It's fucking Billy the Kid. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, this is an advertisement for better help. I have frequently attended therapy for the past 20 years when I experience anxiety or depression or when I have difficulty naming and labelling my emotions, identifying my emotions, I often seek the help of a professional therapist to improve my emotional literacy. I've attended therapy in person and I've attended therapy online. If online therapy is something you might be interested in, give better help a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, flexible and it's suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So give it a go. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash blindboy today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash blindboy. Shit, you can do what the fuck you want. So... What better way to celebrate the 100 episode with a bit of a bit of a baldy pause to insert some adverts? There's any Gardaí listening? <laughs> I know I know of at least three Gardaí that listen. I'm not recording this podcast in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, I'm currently abroad <clears throat> in an undisclosed country. 
recording this podcast. So there's no need to worry. <coughs> so, um, yeah, we'll do a fucking... Oh, wait, no, no, no. So that was the that was the Baldy pause. And you may have heard an advert in there. Other thing, same as usual, lads. This podcast is supported by you, the listener, via the Patreon page. Um, would you like to be... Would you like to be a patron of this podcast? Which effectively... It'd make you like a... Make you like a fucking le- a late medieval Italian banker in Florence. Do you know? Like, you'd be one of the De Medici's. I haven't done a podcast on them yet, but the De Medici's were these Florentine bankers in the late 15th century who had vast, like, fucking acres of wealth. And what their whole shtick was that they were patrons of painters in the Renaissance era. Do you know? So that effectively is what you, you would become if you became a patron of this podcast and you could go around the place wearing crushed silk and um, you could have big gold medallions and wear crushed silk and uh, have kind of a weird handlebar pencil moustache and you could lard about your house dressed as one of the 15th century Italian Medici family. And look into the mirror and say to yourself, I'm a patron of the Blind Boy Podcast on patreon.com forward slash the Blind Boy Podcast. So that's what... No, seriously though, seriously, seriously. You could... <coughs> you could... Uh, p- p- look. Patreon.com forward slash the Blind Boy Podcast. Alright? You can give me the equivalent of a pint once a month. Or... A fucking a pint once a month, or, or even a cup of coffee, lads. All right, so that's within your agency to do. Should should you so choose? There's an echo in my ear now, and I sound like fucking Freddie Mercury. Hold on, I turn it off. It's in my earphones. There we go. It's gone. Okay. Sounded like Freddie Mercury in the in the live age stu- studio. They did an awful amount of holding their headphones when they sang during the eighties, didn't they? Awful strange how something like that just disappears. Do you know what they used to do in the eighties? If you if you look at, we'll say visual aspects of people's behaviour. They used to sing while holding one of their headphones. Okay, now the practical side of that is what you do is so I've headphones on now when I'm recording this podcast. But if I was singing, what you would do is you've one headphone in, the hand will cop it, but then you move the other one away from your ear. So when you're singing. What you get is a mixture of, in one ear, here's your voice as it is in, in the system, in the soundboard, and then the other ear is free, so you hear your actual voice, so you get a mix of the two. So I understand the practicality of why people in the 1980s did this. But I felt it was more performative, more stylistic. Think of all the music videos in the 80s where people have one hand on their fucking ear in a recording studio, you know? And I don't see people doing it anymore. I don't Even in... When I'm recording vocals, I will go for the hand on ear. But I don't see other people doing it. Because there is a practical reason. The other thing the people in 1980s films did that they don't do anymore. Especially women wearing head-to-toe denim. Walking backwards. No one does that anymore in films. If, if you look at a film from the 1980s, 
someone, 90% uh, a woman, when they'll be talking with their friend walking down the road. But then, as they're parting, one person will walk backwards while talking. And that's something that just, it just ended. It was, it's only present in films from the 80s. Holding your hand on one headphone and walking backwards while talking. So let's bring that back and the world will be sorted. Alright, <clears throat> I promised you uh, a murder mystery podcast and that's what you're going to get. So I have uh, rubber bandits. There's a song and the song's name is Spastic Hawk, okay? Now, this is a song that it's, <clears throat> I, I think it's the first song we released after Horse Outside, uh, Spastic Hawk. And we deliberately released it to lose fans. After Horse Outside, Horse Outside got way bigger than we wanted, as I've mentioned before. It got too big as a song, and we ended up with a kind of an audience of fans who only liked Horse Outside and didn't like any of our other songs, and we couldn't relate to this audience. So we were like, okay, how do we lose these people? So we wanted to lose them by deliberately releasing a kind of a jarring and challenging song that isn't particularly aesthetically beautiful. Um, something that's aggressive to the ears, but the beauty within it requires... A kind of a deep engagement. You have to you have to find the beauty in it. It's 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 what is it? It's not a McDonald's burger, it's a plate of bacon and cabbage. McDonald's is just immediately lovely. Yum yum, great, I get it. But bacon and cabbage has got layers of complexity to it where you're going, What the fuck is this? What's this? This plate of bacon and cabbage looks like a middle aged man's chest and you want me to eat it? Okay. Then you eat it and you're going Yuck parsley sauce but then the complex interactions of the bacon and the parsley they get your mind going fuck this is weird and then you have a spoonful of spud and you're like mmm this is all working together perfectly and the bacon and cabbage grows on you and you realise it looks horrible initially it doesn't taste too good but there's a heritage and complexity behind it which this McDonald's burger does not have this McDonald's burger is just going to love me and leave me. Do you know what I mean? It's just, here you go, there you go, I'm going to, I'm gonna. oh, isn't that nice on your tongue? Yum, yum. Eat me. Fuck off. You're going to be hungry in a half an hour. But a plate of bacon and cabbage will sustain you. And, what was I talking about? Yeah, Spastic Hawk as a song was an attempt to be like bacon and cabbage. In that it's, is a jarring song, but there's a complexity behind it if you listen to it. So this is going to end in a murder mystery, as I have promised. But it starts with the song Spastic Hawk. Now spastic is a, a derogatory word, it's an ableist word. In Limerick, it was it's slightly different. It, it wasn't in Limerick the context that that word is used is not in an ableist context it means it refers to someone who's an outsider or someone who's strange or weird that's kind of the specific limerick context and that's the context that the word is used in the song and the song is i'll read out the lyrics for you in a bit but the 
where I wrote the song from, the place that I wrote it from, is it was about my experience of being bullied as a child. I was bullied fairly badly before the age of 10. After 10, I kind of, I found myself a bit more, and then I wasn't. But before the age of 10, I, I was bullied for for being different, for just the shit now that's, the, the part of my head that creates the hot takes when I was a kid that was the part of me that would blurt out something that was not relevant or conducive with whatever conversations were happening so people would go why the fuck is he saying that is he mad is he weird do you get me but re- I realise now it was uh, my infantile attempts at creativity through language but that gets you picked on as a child so I was called spastic non-stop had that screamed into my face spastic 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 that's what they call you when you're different in Limerick so the song it's about a hawk why is it about a hawk it's about a hawk because about a week before I wrote it I was in TK Maxx and I met my friend Jim from school Jim was the only the only 16 year old I knew who had a full beard like pure Osama Bin Laden beard but I met Jim in TK Maxx and I hadn't seen Jim in a year or two and I said, what's the crack, Jim? How are you going? He's still got his pure fucking Osama Bin Laden bin. Or, or beard. And I noticed he was wearing a jumper. And the jumper was heavily stained with like a goopy substance that had dried in. And I said to him, Jim, what the fuck's on your jumper? And he says to me, I've been minding a lot of hawks. So he'd been minding hawks. And he was feeding them eggs. And that's what was on his sparrow's eggs. And that's what was on his jumper. The egg, the yolk of a sparrow in order to feed a hawk. And it just stuck with me in my chest. I was going, that was not the answer I expected out of Osama Bin Laden, Beardy Jim. That he would have a stain on his chest because he was feeding hawks a sparrow's egg. So it stuck in my head and the song came to me, Spastic Hawk. I don't know why. You don't question these things. It's just, it's what happened in the moment and it felt right. And I recorded it in an angry fashion because I was frightened, scared, because Horse Outside was bigger than either of us had expected. All we were trying to do was, let's make a pure catchy fucking tune that's funny and have a bit of crack and make each other enjoy it. That's it, each other. And then it gets big beyond what we can imagine. And we have this fan base that were like, oh shit, how do we make songs for you now? I don't know how, because we weren't trying that in the first place, so how do we do it again? So this kind of comes out of it. I'm going to... I'll play ye Spastic Hawk. And ye can listen away to the lyrics. And... I will tell you... How this leads to a murder mystery. Alright? Dull. They make 
make fun of him because he's different. They make fun of him because he's not the same. He's a spastic hawk. Spastic hawk. He's a spastic hawk. Spastic hawk. Spastic hawk. I'll do it like a 2FM DJ So guys, that was Spastic Hawk A song right there by the Rubber Bandits They're from Limerick, they wear bangs on their hands It's the Rubber Bandits with Spastic Hawk Good song there in 2011, thinking back So there, that, yeah, that was my impression of a 2FM DJ uh, Calling out the song Spastic Hawk That was never played on the fucking radio So where's the fucking murder mystery, you're wondering so, yeah, that song, when it came out, uh, I got a lot of mails from people who were who were differently abled, who found inspiration in the hawk in that song, um, which was very fucking flattering to me, because, like I said, that's not the context from what it was written. It was the limerick definition of that word, which referred to someone who was, like, a weirdo or an outsider, but to have people who were differently abled mailing me and saying that they... Identified with the spastic hawk, I was like, "Lovely, that's nice, thank you." What was not the intention, but however, um, so it led me one day to googling disabled birds, right? Birds who had different abilities. Do you know what I mean? Just, I don't know, I was fucking, I, I, I was procrastinating probably. Like, if you're going to type into Google, disabled birds, uh, 
you want to be on an, some extreme level of procrastination in order for that to happen, yeah? So I did. And it led me down a very... I thought I, I, A strange, disturbing well is all I'm going to say, lads. So I'm finally going to give you your uh, your murder mystery fucking podcast that you've been looking for, that you've been... You've been Hanging for on the internet. Our story starts in the state of Nebraska. Our story starts in the state of Nebraska. With a young girl called Jessica Fleming. Now, Nebraska is a state in the Midwest of America known for its great plains. When America, you know, when it was only in its birth after the Yanks had stolen land from the Indians and it was in the stage of manifest destiny, which was the push towards uh, the white settler owning lands on the West. The people from fucking Sweden and Germany and whatever would get into great caravans and travel across the state of Nebraska to hope for better things. Do you know what I mean? I'm fucking buzzing. But, let us go to the state of Nebraska in 1988 and start with a young 12-year-old girl called Jessica Fleming. She got around to her grandfather's house, Jean and Jean was like uh, an inventor. You know, Jean used to make his 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 whole thing. Like he used to, he he was an inventor who worked in the ammunition industry, right? But as he got older, he became interested in poultry. He was making chicken huts and shit like that. You know, even though the chicken hut is a restaurant in Limerick with the most beautiful gravy available to man. Jean in Nebraska in 1988 was making huts for chickens and using the ingenuity that he had developed as a inventor to enhance this process. So Gene was an older man and he was in his autumn years and he took a visit over to a farm that was belonging to his sister-in-law also in the state of Nebraska. And... His sister-in-law, like, she had a bit of land and she had ducks, fucking chickens, a, a few, not mallards, what do you call them? Not Cornish, hens. I can't remember the name of this small bird, but she had him. So, Jean's sister-in-law has got a little poultry farm. And when Jean visits, he's having, he's having a bit of crack. He's looking around going, look at all those chickens. Look at all those ducks. Look at all those geese. And as Jean is looking at the geese, he, like, he's a compassionate man. And he notices that there's this trail of adult geese. But there's one goose who's trailing, like, way fucking behind. Like, a good few fucking metres behind. This poor fucking little goose is part of the goose pack. But he's trailing behind the rest. And Jean looks closer. And he notices. 
that this particular goose has no feet at all. He's just got little stubs. So you've got a whole line of geese running around this farm in Nebraska. But one poor little goose who has no feet and merely has stubs. He has ankles. And he's trying to follow the rest of the geese and he can't fucking catch up at all. So Gene sees this and his heart thumps. And he connects with this poor little goose. And he goes to his sister-in-law and says, Why does this particular goose have no feet? What did you do to him? And his sister-in-law says, I didn't do fuck all to that goose, you can't. I did nothing to him. And then he says, How did the goose come to a position whereby he has no feet? And she said, He was born with no feet, hon. So the poor old fucking goose had been born with no feet, literally. It the, His feet weren't chopped off. This goose had been born with no feet. And as a result was trailing behind the rest of his goose pack. He was a spastic goose. I am now off the wine and back onto cans. And I'm drinking a very freezing can of Asahi Japanese beer and I'm quite happy alright so good old Gene when he was looking at that poor goose just like dragging behind the rest of the geese and with his no feet the, the goose with no feet Gene says I felt like helping the prick <laughs> That's not a direct quote, but Gene wanted to help this little goose. But, he says, quite strangely, a quote from Gene is, Because I am a Shriner, I wanted to help this goose. My natural instinct was to help him. Shriners, as far as I can see, are this... They're like a really weird American Burger King equivalent of Freemasons. They're like, it's a strange little Masonic order that seems to hold the same values as Freemasonry. But, they, okay, Freemasons are all like English and British and classy. And they have all this ritual and it looks really important. Shriners are an American equivalent. And literally, they wear this hat on their head. That makes them look like a flaccid penis. So a Shriner is like an American Burger King Freemason with a penis head. And Gene says, I felt compassion for this goose because I was a Shriner. So obviously it, it held into the values that he had learned in this organization. But also, sadly, it's probably that exact day that Gene looked upon this little goose who had no feet and said to himself, I need to help this goose. It's probably at that moment that that poor goose probably would have been better left off with his pack, with his other geese. Even though he just, he, even though he had no feet, this goose would have been better off, left off 
with the rest of the geese rather than Jean taking a shine to him and saying, I am a shriner. I am going to save this goose. This poor goose who has no feet and cannot run with the rest of the geese. I am going to save him. Because Jean, without knowing, had signed that goose's death warrant. And so Jean in Fleming, the state of Nebraska. And so Jean Fleming said to his sister-in-law, That goose out there with no feet, can I take him please? And his sister-in-law said, of course you can. So Jean took him. And Jean took it upon himself to start a mission of giving this little goose who was born with no feet a normal life. And he searched back into his mind to his years and years of experience as an engineer, as an inventor. And at first he tried to design like an avian skateboard, a type of skateboard that would help this little goose that had no feet to walk. That didn't work. The goose didn't know how to use a skateboard. And Gene went back to the drawing board. The clever man soon came upon a solution. He manufactured a pair of patent leather baby shoes that were stuffed with foam rubber. And let's not forget little Jessica, Jean's niece. So one day Jessica gets home from school and this goose that her strange grandfather had brought home was now confidently walking around the yard. And little Jessica comes home from school and she sees this goose and she says, Here, that fucking prick of a goose couldn't walk earlier on. He'd no feet. But today, with my own, mine own eyes, I see that he walks. And Grandfather Jean comes out and says, Of course, Jessica, you stupid cunt. I gave this little goose a pair of baby shoes that were lined and they went onto his fucking shins and now this goose walks. Jessica, this goose before you is actually walking. I fucking did it because I'm an inventor. My name is Jean. And then Jessica looks and goes, whatever, grandfather. It was the 1980s so she didn't have an iPad to turn on. What did you do in the 1980s for an 8 year old? She went in and drank chocolate milk. Meanwhile, Uncle Gene is in the yard, very happy with himself that his goose, who was born with no feet, now has the shoes of a baby and is comfortably walking around and living their lives as a very normal goose. Gene decides that this goose is so exceptional that he must call him Andy. So now the goose, who was born with no feet, who now has the shoes of a child, is no longer the footless goose, but this goose becomes Andy the goose, living triumphantly with his proud breast, a front over the vista of a Nebraska sky. The plains before him laid out acres and acres, drenched in the blood of the indigenous people but Andy doesn't care he's just a ghost wearing a pair of shoes so 
Gene had gotten to his point in his life where whatever degree of age he decides that the only way for him to achieve meaning is to allow some meaning into this goose's life so Andy is now wearing a a fucking pair of shoes he's wearing an actual children's shoes it's a goose in shoes now this is the 1980s the late 80s there's no internet nothing like that and word starts to spread about there's this old man called Gene in Nebraska and he has a goose and the goose wears human shoes and it's grand alright they're not trying to make a big deal of it it's just that this goose is able to walk when he wears baby shoes human baby shoes so the press start to get involved and the local press turn up at Gene's gaff and they say can we run a story on you and your little goose who wears human shoes and Gene says yes now all of a sudden Andy the footless goose becomes a bit of a star it's 1988 it's America there's no social media there's no Facebook there's no fucking Twitter there's no Bebo there's nothing what you have is a goose whose name is Andy who against all odds was born with no feet all of a sudden is now wearing a pair of Converse children's Converse and he is walking perfectly and doing his life as a goose so long as he's wearing as long as he's wearing human shoes in Nebraska so local news gets interested then it's like this is too good it's 1988 lads nothing's happening this story is too good now the national press gets involved and all of a sudden Andy the goose the footless goose who wears Converse and Nikes turns up on the Johnny Carson show which is like I don't know it's like the late late show but with America in the 80s Andy the footless footless goose becomes a very large kind of American celebrity a viral celebrity before the internet 1988 a very famous persona in American media is a goose who was born with no feet who now wears human shoes baby shoes then Nike start to get involved Nike are gone who is this goose who's wearing human shoes this Nebraskan goose so Nike gets stuck in now Andy the Nebraskan footless goose is sponsored by Nike and wearing Nike goose shoes tiny little shoes made specifically for a famous Nebraskan goose all of a sudden because Andy the shoe wearing goose has achieved national attention he's been on the Jim, Jimmy Carson show or Johnny or whatever the fuck he's called a dead boy um, all of a sudden now Andy the shoe goose because of his international fame he starts to become a bit of a legend back home in Nebraska so the people are Nebraska are going Give us some of this fucking goose who wears human shoes. And they all started rallying him around him and going, fucking hell, this, this goose, Andy. Oh my God, how amazing is Andy? He was born with no feet, but now he wears human shoes. And he's wearing these bright orange 
Nike fucking shoes and the whole little town feels so much pride that they have this goose who wears human shoes. And then Andy's wife, not Andy, sorry, Jean, Jean, the goose's, uh, the man who invented the goose's shoes. Jean's wife starts up an Andy, the shoe, the footless goose's head uh, fan club. Andy, the footless goose's fan club. She starts that up. And it starts to get really fucking hardcore. Like a lot of people are joining this. Everyone is so proud because this goose who wears shoes is putting this town in Nebraska on the fucking nap. Right? But back to little Jessica. Jessica, whose grandfather made the goose's shoes. Like she says on record, it wasn't just the shoes. Because Andy the goose was born with no fucking feet. He had a decent nature to him. And a, a direct quote from Jessica says he was very sweet natured just literally a nice bird so Andy the goose because of his affliction from birth had attained a level of compassion which transcended other geese despite his Nike feet Andy goes beyond Nebraska soon Andy starts with Jean, I suppose, starts receiving letters from organizations around America that represent disabled people. And Andy became kind of a, a symbol, a signifier, and a totem for people with different abilities to look towards. Because here you have this little goose who's born one way, but lives his life another way in a very empowering fashion and has as much fun as any other goose despite being born with no feet but now he's got shoes do you get me? so Andy became a focal point for people who had different abilities to look towards and go this little bird, this little goose is my totem he's my object but then in 1991, Jean gets a phone call because Andy has been missing for about 24 hours. Now it wasn't that strange because like Andy's a goose so he's like I'm gonna fuck off for a day to do my thing and Jean was like I get you Andy just you know tie your shoelaces whatever. But this time, Gene was like, Andy's been gone too long. Andy's been gone too long. And a phone call rings him up and says, is Andy okay? Because the voice at the end says, the reason we're saying this is because there was a group of people metal detecting. And they were in a, they were in a park quite near your house. And they found... A dead goose. But the thing is with this particular goose. They found he was also wearing. Wearing child's shoes. He was wearing Nike shoes. And Andy just drops the phone. At that moment. Jean rushes out. It's too late. It ends up in the national news. As a kind of a novelty piece. But what had happened. Poor. Like poor fucking Andy. And uh, like. This is what haunts me. He's just a little goose. Born with no feet. 
and all of a sudden he's got a pair of shoes and he's able to walk. So Gene goes to the park where he's told to go. And what he sees is very grisly. As the news reports at the time said, and this is a direct quote, he was found in a heap, decapitated and skinned, near the town Baseball Diamond. So some sick fuck had stolen poor fucking Andy, the little disabled, differently abled goose who wore human shoes and had decided to cut his fucking head off and skin him and leave him in a park in Nebraska for poor old Gene to find. And it made national news, lads. In 1988, for a couple of months, all the news was concerned about was all it was was just a little goose with no feet and he found mobility through human shoes, little baby shoes. Who the fuck? is going to skin this goose and cut his head off and leave him in a fucking park. What sick prick decides that's what they want to do with their life. But someone did. And poor fucking Andy the goose with his little shoes is dead. And no one was ever brought forward as a suspect, no nothing. The poor little fella is gone forever and no one is responsible for his murder. And we're talking 1988. That's nearly 30. How long ago is that? 31. Is that 31 years? That's 31 years ago, lads. 31 fucking years ago. And that's all that was in the news in America for about two fucking months. And in 2010, after nobody... Here's the conspiracy. The police, they've found a suspect, but they won't say who it is. I don't even want to think into the head of who would do that. But in 2000, a couple came forward. And because Andy's body... I think this the remnants of Andy's body. And they put it into a pet cemetery in Nebraska. And there's a monument and a statue that remains for poor old fucking Andy. Who was just a goose with no feet, who wore shoes... And inspired a lot of people. And then was brutally murdered in the park. They set up a little statue for him. So look, rest in peace Andy. That's it. That's the 100 podcast episode lads. Rest in peace Andy the ghost. You you Nike wearing prick. Yart. Gracie Gowl. So... That was the 100 podcast episode. I hope you took something from it. I hope it had a positive impact on your life. I'm finished the podcast now. I'm going to go listen to the music of Luther Vandross. That's it. I'm going to do it myself now. I'm going to fucking listen to some banging Luther Vandross. God bless. Touch you next week. Or Vandross. If you're the Yank, you call him Vandross, don't you? Rest in peace.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 